welcome to Play EDH Radio 903.1, a podcast brought to you by the Play EDH Discord server, the world's biggest webcam Magic the Gathering community. In our episodes, we'll discuss new sets, deck building strategies, and much, much more in the world of Magic the Gathering. You can find past episodes, articles about Commander, a link to our Discord, and our Patreon on playedh.com. Thank you for tuning in and enjoy the show. We're happy to announce Saturday, July 9th, Play EDH will be hosting our third maximum power tournament, Play Max 3, a competitive tournament featuring the strongest decks in the format. If you're interested in competing for a chance to win a foil Alara Ad Nauseam and an Odyssey foil Tainted Pact, sign-up forms can be found on our Patreon. We'll have coverage as well on twitch.tv slash playedh. Hope to see you there! Today we are talking about interaction. Um, it's a really wide topic. There's a lot of like questions surrounding it from the average EDH player. So we're going to cover just in general interaction as a concept, how it fits into the different power levels on play EDH, and maybe some different kinds of interaction, some ones that you've heard of and maybe some that you haven't. Um, Sidelio, why don't you get us into it? Yeah, sure. So when discussing of interaction like as a concept, uh, I would kind of word it in a way of spells or abilities that uh, deal with your opponent's threats. So whether it was some problematic creatures, artifacts, enchantments, potentially grave hate. So uh, I think there's a wide variety of cards and I'd kind of word it that way. But uh, Duke, what, what ideas do you have when talking of interaction as a concept? I mean, interaction as a concept is just core to any deck, I would say you need all kinds of interactions to deal with any sort of things you can do. EDH is such a big format and there's so many cards out there. You need tools to be able to deal with a lot of them. Especially ones that go up against the antithesis of your own deck. Which yeah. can be a, an issue depending on what happens. Yeah. Uh, deck Road, uh, what do you think of it? Um. Well, first of all, people should play more. Um, in general, as a concept though, I, I have to agree with Duke. It is pivotal, absolutely pivotal for any deck to have a good variety of interaction. Um, I'm kind of guilty in my own decks for not playing enough graveyard hate. Um, but that's because most of my decks also care about the graveyard. Um, so I think it's something that I just kind of like naturally avoid, although there's plenty of like one-sided effects to do that. But um, that's something that I kind of, even still being such a champion for interaction, I have to kind of remind myself that I need to play more in terms of like these different, you know, sections of interaction I kind of forget about sometimes. Right. So I do as I say, not as I do. Yeah, right. I mean, <laughs> the same applies to me also. I like, I always advise people to be like, run stuff so you can deal with everything. But then I also might lack a bit of an area. For example, in my Thassa list, I kind of squeeze out the Grave Hate stuff. But then on the other hand, I really want to play Grave Hate. So it's a, if, if, if I lose to some Grave deck because I don't have Grave Hate, I deserve it. That's kind of where I'm at. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, moving on here, so when thinking of interaction and play EDH, uh, we have the different power levels. So it is kind of different what kind of interaction packages we're looking for in the different powers. So uh, Duke, uh, what would you say about the different power levels and how, how much interaction you'd see in those? It definitely gets more and more as you go up the power levels, because definitely in BC, where in the Battle Cruiser. 
definitely in Battlecruiser, where you'd find a lot of the less powerful interactions, especially ones that come bundled with precons, you will find some decent stuff in there. Right. But you're not going to compare to Max, where they'll have interaction to stop anyone else winning at any moment. Because you can get the mythical turn zero win in Max. Right. If it's not dealt with. And they need the tools to be able to do that. So they run the top of the line stuff. It's like comparing Arcane Denial to Mana Drain. Yeah, yeah. It's just not comparable in what they do in terms of the power level. Um, I, I'll kind of jump up, bounce off of Duke for a little bit too, because another point I think that people don't always think about if they're like, let's say a, a player who typically plays high or max and they want to build a, a BC deck or a low deck, which we encourage because a variety, playing a variety of power levels is a great time. Um, but it's not even, it's, it's not so much as, well, not just that, you know, you can play less powerful interaction, but you just don't have to play as much in BC or low because there's, there's less things that you're going to be like super worried about. If you're playing a creature heavy deck and you're playing in, in BC, let's say you're playing with something that has a lot of ETB triggers, you're probably not going to see a torpor orb or something like that. You know, mm, um, yeah. it could happen, but if you do see it, it's going to be an incredibly rare and, you know, you'll probably see it see it coming from a, from a mile away. I mean, there's very very mild stacks options are still okay in sparing amounts for BC and low, um, but they're just less often. So you're 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 not even you're gonna have to play. You you can play less powerful interaction that you would find in a precon or something, and you can also just play less of it. Um, right. Once you get into like mid then you're playing you know powerful interaction but not going overkill like a super heavy you know 25 instance deck list that interacts with yeah. everything all the time um but yeah so it, it there really is a large you know a, a lot of variance there um Sidelio, what do you think yeah I, I agree with you and i think mid is kind of an interesting spot for for interaction because you will see singular strong interaction pieces like like i kind of think the counter spell is like force of will uh, it, mm. in other formats also uh, a free counter spell per se uh, i remember those times when people would be like kind of iffy if you saw that and kind of feel like is this okay? Like, should I be expecting you to counter my stuff if you're tapped out? But the thing is that if it's the package itself isn't too excessive, you don't have ways to recur it too often. For example, if you could like get it over and over into your hand, then maybe it gets a little too oppressive. But right. overall, you'll get to see more powerful stuff. But still, amounts-wise, it's not gonna be like a full-on blown interaction package especially if you have like compact win conditions and right. to kind of go on a tangent with this uh, max power for example it has a lot of mo a lot more interaction because the win conditions are so much more compact you'll get stuff mm -hmm. like uh, good old tainted pact and thassa's oracle for example and because of that it, the wins can come down super early and on the other yeah. hand they can also just require one or two cards technically so you'll have to be able to deal with those and another thing to consider is stuff like miscast for example is a max playable interaction piece but it is not very playable in bc for example or low because you're not gonna be uh, seeing as many low mana victory attempts and rather it's gonna be 
like plotting plopping down some more expensive stuff maybe some that you have higher mana amounts for example if you're in low power and you're ramping into big mana having to pay two extra for your stuff or three extra for a creature maybe that's not the worst thing there and to jump off that in contrast you there are interactions pieces out there that aren't really considered as efficient that you won't see in max yet they'll thrive as you go lower down the power levels mm, recently right. i managed to pull off using a uh quite an old uh interaction piece a counter spell in mono white no oh. it's not mana tithe. it's called illumination it was recently covered in one of our articles on our website it counters an artifact or enchantment I used it to stop a black blade hitting the field from a landfall deck, and that very well saved my life. <laughs> and I bet oh, they I were sadly like, didn't wait, win what's the game, that card again? But yeah, exactly. <laughs> those sort of interaction pieces where it's go, wait, that exists? I <laughs> love seeing those. Yeah, those 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 moments are fantastic. Uh, moving on from here, uh, as we're, we've talked about the interaction and kind of bounced between the idea of it and how it sits into different power levels. Uh, let us define what kind of different interaction categories there are. So, Duke, please go right ahead. We have quite a few. We'll, we'll be taking from our interaction codex that we have in terms of our categories here. So we have artifact enchantment removal. We have creature removal. Universal, so like all permanents. Graveyard hate, land removal, protection of your own stuff. That can also include counter spells and other spell interaction on the stack, and of course board wipes. So how about uh, Necro? How about you lead us on the first topic? Sure. Um, so let's get into artifact and enchantment removal. Um, I think personally, this is probably one of the most relevant types of removal um, because you know creatures die via combat or um creature spell removal is a little bit more prevalent and like easier to find um artifact and enchantments are just inherently a little bit harder to remove because there are theoretically less options um so whenever you think about artifact and shaman removal there are like the tried and true you know ogs of the format like disenchant um, mm, right. or naturalize or nature's claim. Um, but one card I think that people, at, at least I'm still not seeing them play it enough, um, and it's really, really great, is uh, you find some prisoners. That's the two-mana mono-red instant from D&D Interventures of the Forgotten Realms. Mm -hmm. um, a modal spell, destroy target artifact, or you can exile the top three of an opponent's library, pick one, and you can cast it until the end of your next turn. So... You get this really nice flexibility between being able to kill a problematic permanent um, in an artifact, and then you can also, you know, let's say they vampiric tutored or enlightened tutored or something, and you. Can oh play. man! Yeah, that's mine now. I, I love doing that. <laughs> so. Yeah, I think I think the flexibility thing is something our listeners are probably familiar with, and I have to agree. Like <laughs> having those like those modal spells where you have like the first modal spell that kind of. I remember remember from playing with my friend back in the day before I was active in MTG was Cryptic Command. And it was always mm -hmm. such a like treat where you get to choose like I have it's like a buffet. You have lots of delicious options <laughs> that then you can just roll with roll with what's fit for the fit for the moment. Uh yeah. a piece that I I actually like a lot and kind of fits into our next category also 
uh, is Resculpt. And mm-hmm. Resculpt came in Strixhaven, arguably one of those cards that kind of should have been Izzet, I feel like, but is still mono blue. Uh, a two mana instant, only like it's a mono blue instant, I, I have to. Uh, mention that so exile target <laughs> artifact or creature and its con- controller creates a four for blue and red elemental creature token so maybe not the best spell for like lower powers where the four four can actually smack your face a bit too uh, often but overall just having a mono blue option where you can finally deal with artifacts permanently and still be able to deal with creatures like the ki- similar flexibility as as you find pres- you find some prisoners. Uh, yeah. Bomb was bad enough. Get out of here. <laughs> like my artifacts. Like instant, instant staple level interaction. It's just so so strong. Love that card. And it's so cheap. Also, like I yeah. I actually love the design space of oh well the decision space to make like a lot of these good interaction pieces commons. On the contrary, we just got like. A mythic land cycle or rare land cycle, which are uh, kind of super strong, but we'll we'll talk more about those later. So moving on here, next up we're going to be talking about creature removal. Uh, when thinking of the category, I think it's the most common kind of removal you get to see. Like most of the precons, most of the removal things that you kind of think of first when you say you need to run removal in your deck is like to get rid of those scary beaters that's gonna gonna be hitting your face or gain value. So the first spells that come to my mind are Swords to Plowshares and Path to Exile, uh, but there's like a wide variety of other stuff. So uh, Duke, do you have any anything you want to mention in this category? I do, as a matter of fact. You've taken my first two choices, and I would also throw Dispatch there as well. Oh, yes. I... It's also a one mana remove or exile a creature spell. So I, I tend to have a lot of those. But what if the creature's hexproof or something and it's like an, against a Voltron deck? How are you going to get through that? With a card that I don't see played enough and I think should be, especially in lower power levels, Entrapment Maneuver? Four mana instant target player sacrifices an attacking creature, you create X11 white soldier tokens equal to its toughness. Get rid of that pesky Voltron deck that probably has a fair amount of toughness, and you have a nice board to counterattack with. Oh no, that is that is spicy. so. It's it's not direct removal, but it's situational enough that it can ruin a deck's day, especially when they're not prepared for that sort of stuff. Yeah, I was I was gonna say when you mentioned that when you said that card, I was like in my head, I was like I don't know what that does. I don't think I've ever seen that card. <laughs> exactly, ever. I said earlier, I love the ones that make people go, "What on earth is that?" Yeah. <laughs> But to move on from creature artifact enchantment, those are nice. They're, they're, there's a bunch of ways to remove those, but not often to remove everything as a card on terms of versatility. There are cards that remove permanents. Two of the biggest ones in the format are probably Beast Within a Generous Gift. There's also mm-hmm. Chaos Warp to flip that pesky permanent and on occasion flip it back, but that's also amusing whenever that happens. <laughs> And there's just a variety of ways to do that. I'm a big fan of D-Spark, for example. Just exile target permanent with CMC4 or greater. That typically hits quite a lot of scary stuff. But having something that hits everything, that includes lands, and that's the key thing that I always try and advocate. 
Do either of you have any uh, card to shout out for universal removal? Um, it, I would honestly, my, 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 my main, I guess my main pick would probably be Chaos Warp. Um, even though I know a lot of people aren't crazy about it. Now, there is a newer card that I do like a lot. Unfortunately, it does not hit lands, so it's not totally universal, but it is Voidrend, um, that new Esper instant that destroys target non-land permanent. But it also says that it can't be countered, which I kind of like as a trade-off oh, yeah. for hitting lands. Because you can't, at least the amount of times that I need to specifically remove a land is a lot less than anything else. And basically it, it's almost always glacial chasm. Um, mm, right. <laughs> other than that, you know, I think a trade off for not being able to hit lands, but being uncounterable is, is pretty solid. Yeah, definitely. And I think something that's also kind of a bit more narrow, but still universal enough is uh, I'd like to highlight the rare land from the new Kamigawa set Boseiju who endears. Uh, oh, yeah. You've you've seen you've seen the original hype around it. You've seen how the price has been. So uh, I think justifiably so. It's an expensive card. Uh, has the channel ability, so it's it's an activated ability, and you can destroy an artifact, enchantment, or a non-basic land. And well, they get to search for a land and such, but I think the main point is that it's it's an ability. So, kind of what Necro just mentioned is the pseudo. Well, that card was uncounterable, but Boseju is kind of hard to counter as well, unless your opponents are playing a lot of like stifle effects or disallow and right. stuff like that. So, I think, and it also the flexibility point in this card, uh, you can play it as a land and it's untapped. So it doesn't really have too much of a cost, at least in EDH. Maybe if you're playing five colors or stuff, then it then it gets a little easier, but two mana for this effect on an untapped land is kind of crazy. Yeah. Vosage is cracked. <laughs> Definitely. I'm, I'm just glad it's a rare, so the price is where it is, rather than a mythic. Uh, yeah, yeah, that is true. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> so the next... Um, the next kind of section we're going to talk about here is graveyard hate i kind of mentioned at the beginning that i'm guilty for not playing enough so whenever we think about graveyard hate there's there's you know the the old classics of like tormod's crypt or i think at this point soul guide lantern could be considered a classic because basically everybody knows what it is yeah. um there is a card recent from recent set from modern horizons 2 that i wanted to highlight i do see people playing it so it's not like an unheard of card for edh but I don't think people play it enough or maybe realize some of the full, like, you know, capabilities of it. And that card is Endurance. That's the mono green elemental incarnation thing with Flash. Um, you can also evoke it by exiling a green card from your hand. And all it does is you took, take the target player, puts the cards in their li in their graveyard, I believe they shuffle them and just put them into their library or put them on top of their library or something. It's However, the it's bottom worded. library in a random order. Bottom in a random order. Thank you, Duke. Um, yeah, so I am a huge fan of Endurance. I play it in basically every green deck that I have because it's just the, the application is incredible. In lower power levels, like mid and low, where I play it, I oftentimes use it to like protect my own graveyard from right. graveyard removal or exile effects or whatever because I want to keep my stuff and shuffle it back into my library. Um, in max power, 
I use it most of the time to make people lose the game. Because turns out, through the course of a max game, you're going to have a few cards in your library, and then that other player goes Tainted Pact, Thassa's Oracle, and you say, okay, Tainted Pact resolves, Thassa's Oracle resolves, ETB on the trigger, uh, ETB trigger on the stack, I'm an endurance your library. <laughs> and I, oh, they don't Lord. lose the game, but they, they kind of do, because they yeah. basically they have like five cards in their library, and they're probably like fetch lands or something. So. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, love that. <laughs> How about you, Sidelio? You have a favorite graveyard hate piece since we're kind of brothers and not running enough. <laughs> <laughs> I actually do, and uh, I wanted to feature a newer card that I got finally got my hands on, actually uh, just a weekend ago. So Lion Sash came in uh, the newer Kamigawa set as well. Uh, it slam dunked into my Arabo list because it's an equipment cat for two mana. Uh, it has an activated ability for one white where you can exile a target card from a graveyard and then if it was a permanent card you put a counter on Lion Sash and it is also, it has the reconfigure so you can make it into an equipment but I think the general part and why it appeals to me is that it's a scavenging ooze for white and also since it's a cat, uh, Arabo makes it by itself just a 4-4 beater that has a graveyard hate on it so I think it's uh, it's a really neat design it's kind of weird to look at because it has so much varying text, like you have graveyard hate, then it's an equipment which has a weird separate equipment kind of thing and then the reconfigure and it gets all messy and stuff. But I wanted to mention that card because I think it's super sweet. Uh, Duke, do you have any specific graveyard hate in mind? Lion Sash is really cool, not gonna lie. I think I prefer ones I can stash into any deck, though, such as a very recent card that came out in Streets and Duke of Penna, Unlicensed Huss. It's a vehicle oh, that yeah. you can tap to exile up to two target cards from a single graveyard. Then you can crew it for two, and its power and toughness are equal to number of cards exiled. Not only does it progressively just get bigger over the course of the game, it's target removal. So, like, if you want to exile someone's grave, yeah, you can exile their whole grave with other things. This gets rid of the, the most annoying options in there. Yeah, and especially and... you can use it in response if someone's going to reanimate something. You can tap and exile while it's on the stack and make it fizzle. So even just having the card sitting there will make graveyard players think twice about what they're actually doing with their grave. Yeah, it'll be hard. That would have been good in that game we played a couple days ago, Duke. Oh, tell me about it, man. <laughs> oh, God. We played a uh, quite a long mid-game with um, Duke and Exaxel and another user from the from the server, and I was just reanimating all over the place. And poor Duke, how many times did you cast your commander that game? It like got five. to cost... It was a Kalein deck that had... It cost two CMC by default. At the end of the game, it cost 14. Oh, my <laughs> lord. No way. Man, oh, it was uh, it was rough. I, I won't go on about that game, but I did not enjoy that game for various reasons. Yeah. I, I can't I, ended... I can't imagine why. After all that, I ended up losing too. <laughs> never, never lucky. Oh, my oh well. God. You got so close. I have you didn't to finish the job. I have yeah. to mention about uh, hers also that it's it's repeated and it has no cost like if you consider the value over time uh when we look at stuff like soul guide lantern you get to exile a card and then you can exile graves once but what her, her hers does is you can tap it every single turn and if you have like i know it's a little wonky but if you have like a seedborn muse out 
you could just tap this on each play every player's turn and since it's also two target cards i think it gets around a lot of stuff like okay maybe not uh, living end and stuff like that but still it's super powerful and it's only two cmc so i like the card a lot i would yeah. also like to give a special shout out to another card that i just don't see run enough that just it's a land that will exile all graveyards scavenger grounds yeah mm, yeah it's a yeah, desert I don't think you that's just enough play. Yeah. tap you pay two mana tap it sack a desert exile all cards from graveyards if you have another desert like one of the tap land deserts you can just repeat this yeah it, yeah it's a trick i don't see used enough yeah i i like um i have some um at one point i played some some landfall centered decks and i had i think it was sunscorched desert i had and mm -hmm. my favorite thing to do especially against like other graveyard centric decks was to um actually wait does that work oh shoot i might have been playing that wrong <laughs> no <laughs> well i don't know anyway i was gonna say sacking like the sunscorched desert and then like you know <laughs> um doing um what's it called i'm blanking on the um the dredge uh, life from the loam and putting it back in my hand but now i'm like wait did i do that wrong <laughs> whatever <laughs> i don't play that deck anymore so it's fine <laughs> uh, moving on here uh speaking of lands uh, let us get right into land, rem land removal and as we mentioned in the universal part uh i think the big appeal of the universal removal is that in a pinch you can use the beast within on like nykthos or cabal coffers or whatever is producing a lot of value um, also stuff like the old boseju especially in higher powers uh, it's not a really good experience to have like repetitive uncounterable jeska's wills or just outright win conditions being plopped down and you can't counter them so land removal first card that comes to my mind is strip mine which is also on a land and i think many of us us have experienced the the good old like uh, crucible of worlds you get your lands destroyed repetitively with the other playing having azusa or something to play extra lands and man that's a that's a fantastic time uh duke necro either of you do you have any nearer mentions of specifically land removal aside from Boseju that you like to like to uh, feature um I'll be honest with you I can't think off the top of my head of like a newer version of just like straight up land removal that we've seen um maybe I've overlooked it but like good old stone rain baby I love you know the oh, OG yeah. stuff <laughs> and I'm I'm a sucker for mono red so like that's that's kind of my apart from the wasteland and strip mines of the world that's kind of like my go-to but what I one thing I, I will highlight though and I think people sub it in a lot as a budget option for like strip mine or wasteland um is field of ruin and yes. please, yeah. please don't play Field of Ruin in India. Because <laughs> if you're going to play Field of Ruin, play Ghost Quarter. Please. Yeah, everybody gets a land, and Ghost Quarter is like still cheap. Field, Field of Ruin has come in some pre-cons, which I think is why people are playing it more. I think it's come in a pre-con. Actually, it might not have. Anyway. It's um, also just printed more. Yeah, it's been it's been printed like a few times recently. And um, yeah, everybody gets a land from that. You don't want to do that. It's, yeah. Yeah, I, I think I think it's uh, it's one of those cards that on one hand I appreciate people who run like land hate because mm -hmm. it's one of those categories along with graveyard hate that I think isn't run enough. 
it might be due to one thing on one hand not having effective cards being printed in that vein like okay confounding conundrum is a very nice ramp hate thing but specific land removal i don't think we see too many cards being released unless they are universal removal pieces and i think there might be maybe some stigma around like hitting another person's lands because it might be viewed as mean i think this is a rule zero thing if you you have a local play group uh, and this is also on a more general topic about the interaction if all of you want to play funny wonky uh, graveyard lists maybe you can also all rule zero out graveyard hate let's see what happens like living end gets absolutely massive let's let's have fun but on play edh you should always prepare to face whatever is like acceptable for each power so be ready to pack those those land hate pieces also i think beast within yeah. and poseju are two two very good candidates because they have the flexibility also moving on from here uh i think this is a category duke you love to love to talk about so get us right into the next one yeah i'm getting worried with all this talk about removing stuff let's talk about some protection pieces hell yeah Ye to respond to all the removals so things like heroic intervention is probably a big one that people are aware of like all your permanents getting hexproof indestructible that's pretty good we actually got a new variant on that for mono white with grand crescendo oh, it's only yes. creatures that become indestructible but you can also pump more mana to give you more creatures for that sort of effect it's pretty darn good Spicy. there's yeah. another variant of protection that I quite like and I run wherever I can is the duo of Blacksmith Skill and Tamiyo Safekeeping. Blacksmith Skill, like they both give you hexproof indestructible on a target permanent and they're one CMC in their color. Blacksmith Skill gives an artifact creature plus two plus two to end of turn. Tamiyo Safekeeping gives you two life. I kind of hope this is a cycle so I can have more of them, but that's just me. I, I, I just like having these sort of variants. Other things as well, the fairy's protection, it's in the name, it protects you, protects everything. Yeah. Yeah, two... There's a, a lot of protection spells out there, I don't think they're utilized enough, because people don't expect to come up with people who run removal. So it's a, a case of a call and response, I feel. How yeah. do you two feel about uh, protection? I have to bounce off of this. Uh, I run blacksmith skill in my uh, Balan list, and since it was, like for me, it was... Uh, very important because there are artifacts I want to protect. Like you have a lot of stuff to give your creatures hexproof, but since this is permanent, I think it's it kind of uh, pivots around the fact of like universal removal, like Beast Within. Okay, someone's targeting your important land, now you can just cast this blacksmith skill to give it hexproof and indestructible, so there's not many ways to get around it aside from like mass bounce, kind of or mass exile so cyclonic rift okay yeah that can hurt your permanence or rather non-land permanence but i do like this design space and i think it's correct to have it at one mana it doesn't feel too broken because it these cards don't replace themselves i think we'd have issues if they said also draw a card but as it's as they are i think they are very very well designed and i like them uh what do you think about them necro um, yeah, I, I like them ever since we kind of saw Blacksmith Skill and now Tamiya's Safekeeping pop up in terms of, like, options that are out there. I've started playing them in, in the decks that will fit them in because they're just really, really solid. Um, there is another 
an interaction spell that I think not a lot of people know about that I'm really partial to in mono white decks. Um, originally printed, printed in Planar Chaos, but we did see it a reprint in Time Spiral Remastered. Uh, that is Rebuff the Wicked. A one, oh, yes. one CMC white spell, instant spell, that counters a spell that targets a permanent you control. If you're in white, you, it's a good protection piece. I mean, it's it kind of goes right along with Blacksmith's skill in that in that sense that it's very cheap and it stops your stuff from being removed. So people should play it more. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I, I do run it with my Gear deck because you want to protect the, all the high-value pieces in that deck as much as you can. Yeah, definitely. Uh, moving on here, uh, probably my favorite category of all, Necro, please do get us into it. Yeah, so this is going to be kind of the an, an overarching, a really, really wide topic. This is going to be counter spells and other on-the-stack spell interactions. So obviously we have the standard just straight-up OG counterspell and cards like Negate that people are very aware of. But there's actually a very, very new card, hasn't even been released yet, um, coming out in Commander Legends 2, Baldur's, Battle at Baldur's Gate, and that is Will's Reversal. I absolutely love this card. Um, it is a three-mana red instant. You can choose target spell or ability with one or more targets. One or more is key here. You roll a d20 and add the greatest power among creatures you control. If you roll between 1 to 14, you can choose new targets for the spell or ability. So at worst, you're getting a 3-mana deflecting swat. The only difference is just not free. But they do the same thing. But it's just not free. Sometimes. If right. you roll a 15 or above, you choose new targets for the spell or ability, and then you copy it, and you can pick different targets for the new copy. So not only can you change the targets, but you can copy it. And on the copy, you can target something completely different. It's This card is absolutely nuts. I'm absolutely in love with it. <laughs> um, what do you guys think? Yeah, I think uh, this is one of those cards that I'll have to see in action because three mana isn't the worst for this kind of an effect. But also, like, I would just want to see what all kind of funky situations this gets into. Uh, many of these, like, also they, this kind of a card has the appeal of the small randomness. Like, you get the hype of rolling high. Uh, I do like that it doesn't have, for example, if you roll 20, you win the game, kind of. Like, it's it's not... You're right, yeah. Yeah, like, it doesn't have the uh, too explosive of a choice because I think that is not a healthy design space. Like oh, I just got super lucky, and then it kind of... Uh, I feel like it's a little, how to say, uh, anticlimactic if you, uh, like, if that happens in a game. But when you have this softer kind of high roll, I think it's super exciting. So mm. I, I like the card, but I have no idea what all the ways this can be utilized. So I'm excited. What do you think about it, Duke? I think it's going to be... a a staple card to be honest if deflecting swat yes it's free but this is a slightly cheaper one if it comes up with emergency and you get to copy it can you imagine yeah. doing this on someone else's like big wind spell or heck if someone's just casting a path to exile or something you can direct this elsewhere and potentially copy it and exile two things instead and yeah, you know what's one, one thing I sorry one thing I had considered too that isn't um, that 
isn't um, super clear yet is I believe there are like some permanent spells that have targets on like on the stack and if you copy it I don't know we're gonna have to see what happens <laughs> it sounds like a good time that's I'm I'm just over I'm, I'm gushing over this card because I think because it says it. spell in it so that might not work but that'll be down to rulings well it cards on the stack are spells right yeah they are they are yeah so as long as it's on the stack I don't know. Yeah, we'll have to see what what actually what rulings and stuff actually pop up. Maybe yeah, I, I shouldn't like get too. Most hyper- of those have cast triggers that are not part of the same spell. Another. I, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, yeah. Another <laughs> yeah, card I, I wanna I, I wanna highlight in this category. Uh, counter spells are near and dear to my heart due to me being a mon- mostly mono blue player. So my way of dealing with stuff is usually on the stack. So another cr- thing that isn't actually going to be sitting on the stack when resolving is Malevolent Hermit and this pesky little human wizard uh, came in uh, Midnight Hunt and it's kind of Glenelendra 2.0 it has uh, it's a 2 mana wizard for uh, which you can pay 1 blue into and you can sack it and then you counter target non-creature spell unless it's controller controller pays 3 and it has disturb and Disturb was this mechanic where you can cast it from your grave, and the flip side of it, when you cast it from there, uh, your non-creature spells you control can't be countered, so it's kind of a two-in-one situation where you can have this static threat out where people know that, okay, I can't really tap out to cast this because it's likely to be countered, and on the other hand, if I let someone activate the Malevolent Hermit, it will be in the grave, and then they threaten maybe comboing off on the next turn because non-creature spells they control can't be countered, so super strong spell loops, for example, what are they going to say about it? Uh, So it's an interesting design, and I've really fallen in love with the card. Uh, Do you guys have thoughts about Hermit? Sounds Um, like we need more grave hate. Yeah. 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 Stop stop this from being able to be cast again. True. But these sort of effects, like, it's similar to Glenelendra Archmage like, as a sort of rattlesnake effect that you have on board just waiting. It's, it's As I said with um, Unlicensed Hust, it can be used at any sort of speed. So having that as an option is always nice, because then they have to consider all that option. If they have to consider it, then that's more time that they're taking to process and actually go for the win than if you didn't have it and you just had it in hand. Right, yeah. Also, uh, this kind of effect, as you mentioned, the rattlesnake thing is, okay, it's public knowledge now that there is something that can counter stuff. And it can cause this weird dynamic where, for example, if the player who has the hermit uh, is fourth in the pod, and the first person plays some non-creature spell that's super threatening, the second player might be just going like, huh, I'll shrug, uh, you have the Hermit out, you'll have to counter it, and then they pass priority. The third player does the same, and you're at the point where you'll have to do it because it's they, they will win. And uh, this is kind of the point, like, I think this is uh, like all sportsmen-like because it's public knowledge, and if they know that it's it should be countered, you should counter it. But... Also, it does, this cre- does create this kind of dynamic where 
it, your opponents might not use their own counter spells because they know that someone else has one. So uh, it's it's come it has come up in my games. I play both Hermit and Glen Elendra, and for me it doesn't really matter too much because Glen Elendra comes back with persist, and with Thus I can flicker it and kind of refresh it. And Hermit, you do want to get to the grave, so having something that you can counter or at least attempt is usually beneficial for you. Just having this out forever doesn't really... It gains you virtual card advantage, but you also want to get to the flip side, so... Interesting, interesting stuff. Uh, moving on to the next category here, and our final category, which is Wraths. Uh, when we talk about Wraths, uh, we're talking of like mass removal spells, destroy all creatures, exile or artifacts and stuff. Uh, Duke, do you want to introduce us or mention some wraths that you like? I mean, a lot of wraths are going to just be compared to Wrath of God, hence the name Wrath. Mm, wrath of God true. destroy all creatures, can't be regenerated. So any wrath that comes out is immediately compared to that and all the others that have come out. And there's so many now. So if I talk, for example, Vanquish the Horde, it costs less depending on creatures on the battlefield, destroy all creatures. We have Blasphemous Act, which is dealing damage to all creatures. I think the most recent one that has been added to the Wrath Arsenal, and I think probably one of the strongest ones we've got in a while, is Farewell. Oh, yes. Six mm -hmm. mana, sorcery, choose one or more, exile all artifacts, exile all creatures, exile all enchantment, exile all graveyards. That is such a good spell for variety in terms of what it can do. It, it should be run more. I'm surprised it's as cheap as it is still. Uh, how cheap is it, it currently? I have I haven't looked. I believe it. it's about five euros. Last I checked. Oh wow! I I remember when we talked of the card. I think it was our set review, if I remember correctly. Mm -hmm. And I had thought that it was choose one, and or like choose one or two or stuff like that. And no, nope. it's it choose, choose one or ball. <laughs> you can just like you can just nuke everything, and it feels it feels silly like. It's just so much power. Like in one card, you can kind of, when we th think about like value inherently and virtual card advantage, for example, if you cast this spell and you don't have too much stuff out and you just wipe fifteen cards worth of stuff, it's nasty. Uh, Necro, do you have any any board wipes or wraths uh, as per se uh, that you'd like to feature? Um. Yeah, I do actually. Unsurprisingly, it is a white card. Um, honestly, had you asked me first, uh, Farewell would have been my pick too, because that card is absolutely nuts. However, there's another one that is also very, very new. Actually came out one set later than Vanquish the Hordes, and it is by invitation only. Three white and double, or three colorless and a double white for a sorcery. Choose a number between zero and 13. Each player sacrifices that many creatures, so oh. it is. You know, it's not. It's not like one-sided or anything like that. But if you have a smaller board state and you've got just you're staring down a ton of threats, you can just play this and pick ten and say, "All right, everybody sack ten <laughs> creatures." It's it's hilarious. It I think it's really a really solid card that doesn't see enough play yet, as it is currently uh, twenty cent. Oh man, yeah, that's quite cheap. I know you're, you're making it sound quite inviting to use. Yeah, I, I like it a lot. I think it's a good card. <laughs> and to wrap up the wrath section, there are so many wraths out there that don't hit everything. 
that will hit specific things. One card that I've recently started using is, is Organic Extinction. Mm-hmm. Uh, 10 mana Improvise, destroy all non-artifact creatures. It's because I'm running a lot of artifact creatures in my Osgear deck, this is a one-sided board wipe. Mm, right. So there's enough wipes out there to tailor it towards your deck and to get more benefit out of it. Yeah, definitely. And just as a, a closing highlight for the for the topic, um, or rather the uh, Wrath section, uh, everybody knows Cyclonic Rift, and I think it's one of uh, probably the blue highlight for the uh, for the uh, Wrath section. And also a newer card that's super powerful overall is Calling Ritual, but I think we've we've talked of it previously. A super powerful card. Super scary card, especially as you go up in higher power level. Yeah, What's absolutely. That? You just vomited seven artifacts on the board. Cool. That's seven mana for me. <laughs> yeah, Calling Ritual is absolutely insane <laughs> alright um, well I think that just about does it for today's episode hopefully you guys, every, all the listeners out there y'all enjoyed you know, hearing us kind of chat a little bit about interaction and what it means in terms of EDH and, and play EDH specifically in the power levels um, if you like what you heard today be sure to hit us up on the discord we'd love to hear your thoughts and chat more about it, other than that thanks for listening and we'll see you next time see ya And remember, run more interaction, please. (laughs) Thank you for listening to PlayDH Radio 903.1. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a like or a 5-star review on your preferred platform. We'd also appreciate it if you could share our show with your friends or on social media. Consider supporting us on Patreon. You can find us at patreon.com slash playedh. If you're already a patron, thank you. Your contributions make all of what we do possible, including our upcoming Maximum Power Tournament, Playmax 3, on July 9th. Further details can be found on our server, and signups can be found on Patreon. If you are not already a member, please take a moment to join our Discord. A link can be found on our website at playedh.com. There you will also find articles, interviews, deck techs, and more by members of our staff. Our opening credits music is Meanwhile Beyond, and our ending credits is Accelerated Dimensions. Both songs are by the talented Formless Voyager. You can find their work at soundcloud.com slash formlessvoyager, and you can support them directly at formlessvoyager.bandcamp.com. All links will be available in the podcast description. 